Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. When man working from sun to sun, spend my money when the work is done. Um eine Aufnahme. Five, four, three, two, one. You're listening to 3CR Community Radio. Rumination. 3CR's Rooming House and Homeless Persons Issues Program, featuring information on health and housing services, as well as live local guests, artists and performers from our unsung community. Join us at 12pm on Thursday on 3CR 855am. Thanks very much to Published or Not with Jan for taking us up to midday. Good afternoon, everybody. It's good to be with you and to have your company for the next hour. Thanks very much for tuning to 3CR 855 AM Radical Radio. I'm Kelly and you're on Ruminations. That's 3CR's Peer Homeless Issues Program. We broadcast from the lands of the Wurundjeri people to right across the Kulin Nations live every Thursday at noon to 1pm and you can listen back to any uh, Ruminations uh, show by going to the 3CR website. We uh, podcast some of our shows now and you can listen back at 3cr.org.au forward slash ruminations. So first, I'd just like to say a big thank you to everybody who don- who donated to Ruminations for this year's Radiothon. I want to give you a round of applause. <laughs> Ruminations had $1,100 to raise as part of the grand total of 250 thousand dollars to keep to keep 3CR powering for another year and we've just about reached our target we've only got ten dollars to go so if you feel like donating any more or if you missed the radiothon last week uh, you can call the station and donate uh, right now or anytime on 9419 8377 or online at 3cr.org.au forward slash donate. So I just like to um, uh, thank yeah one by one uh, the people that have uh, pledged a donation uh, to uh, the Ruminations Radio from this year. Uh, so thank you to the uh, following people. Um, thank you to Jerry, to Nola Brooks, to Jenny Denton, to Hazel and Ian, to Zoe Hunter, and Jacobs, Raphael Caleb. 
Colette Labour, Larissa McFarlane, Amia from Major Major Cafe keeps us all caffeinated at the cafe next door to 3CR here on Smith Street, Joseph Malignuggi, Kepa Markno, and Ian McIntyre. So thank you very much to those people, and I'll read out um, some further names as we go through uh, on the show for the next hour. So on today's show, uh, well, we've got a very special event coming up this evening, don't we? That's the 24-hour winter solstice parliamentary sleepout on the steps of the Victorian Parliament up there on Spring Street. That's been organised by uh, Public Housing, Everybody's Business, Mr Joseph Toscano. Uh, that'll be starting um, at midnight tonight and be going through for the whole of Friday the 21st of June. That's the whole of the winter solstice. There was some confusion about the start time. Some people were thinking it starts tomorrow evening, but it doesn't. It actually starts tonight and we'll be going through for the full uh, 24 hours of the winter sol- solstice, calling for stamp duty revenue. That's about 7 or $8 billion a year, a tax that people pay when they purchase a new home, asking for that money to be um, allocated for uh, public housing, defending what we do have and extending it um, much more. And uh, Joe claims we could end homelessness in a month. So that's uh, pretty amazing. So uh, will we there? And we'll also be uh, doing a live cross down from the site um, tomorrow morning uh, live here on 3CR. So I thought um, to get us in the mood for that, I would play some uh, sounds that uh, Ruminations recorded um, during the 10-day uh, parliamentary sleepout vigil that happened uh, last November. So we'll play some of those. And also coming up on the show today, at about uh, 20 or 25 past 12, uh, we're going to be going to Seattle, of all places. A friend of Ruminations um, is currently uh, there in Seattle uh, doing research into um, housing and homelessness, and uh, they've met um, some homelessness activists. So I'm pretty excited. Uh, We're going to be putting a call to Seattle and be able to um, speak to some people over there and uh, they can give us a bit of a sense of um, what homelessness and and housing insecurity is like over there. Uh, But in the meantime, uh, let's go back to uh, some voices from the uh, 10 Days in November parliamentary vigil that happened uh, last November. Yeah, yeah, I'm Bill Pickering. I come from the country up in Murnyong. Uh, I listen to 3CR. I'm a member of the Wednesday Action Group that Joe started up and uh, we've been pushing good causes for years now and uh, we've had some really good successes and this issue at the moment with the public housing is is so important. I grew up in a commission area when I was a child with three uh, sisters and another brother. Uh, We... We all own our own houses now because our parents could could afford to live in in a commission area and and eventually they got the opportunity to buy their house. So, I mean, 
Public housing is so important for the people who don't have a large income and don't have money to invest but have families to raise. So I think this is really important that we let the politicians know that it's, it's not the, the, the uh, well-off or the, or the successful people in our society that we should be caring for. It's the people who are living on the streets or have had a bit of bad luck or have no substance you know, issues or something. You know, we need, we need to get the people off the street and hopefully give them somewhere they can call home and look, look to improve their lot in life. You know, it's, uh, it's OK for these millionaires to get swan around, you know, and these politicians who get privilege after privilege in Parliament and don't have, you know, don't have any uh, care about the public. And the public is 98% of the population, really, you know, so the 2% that are, or 1% that are running the world just don't care. It's all financial profit-making for them and it's not, not good for the population. Our society's supposed to be caring for one another and uh, we're, we're standing on Parliament House steps now because we want to let people know that public housing is so important to, for everyone. Have you seen um, Melbourne or Victoria or Australia change in your lifetime around these issues? Oh, I think, I think yeah, uh, the fact that I grew up in public housing, all my uh, siblings have got their own house and uh, and society's just got harder and harder because they've, they've cut, cut away a lot of jobs and jobs the only jobs that are available now are uh, service industry jobs in a lot of cases, you know, and that's that's not a high-paid profession to be in or industry to be in. I watched a show last night on television about uh, uh, exceptional children, you know, and how awful it would be to have a child who was so so gifted, you know, and 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 yet they're going to have trouble fitting into our society. That's the gifted ones. So the ones who aren't gifted and lucky enough to to uh, be able to fly through school and do do all the right things as far as academic goes and I could have still been at school now and I'm 65, 66 sorry, and I could you know, still uh, be uh, at school now and I wouldn't get HSC so this idea that everyone in this society is going to get HSC and become a brain surgeon is, is rubbish you know think of the ones with the IQs below you know uh, 100 you know, don't worry about the ones at the top, worry about the people down the bottom, because that's what you've got to care for. If you have a child who's a little bit slower than, than the, the other, you look after them, you protect them, but you give them all both the same opportunities and support they need. We often see in the mainstream media that they run down public housing, they say they're places where criminals and thugs and you know, no good people um, live, um, so there's a big stigma with public housing. Is that something that was around when you were growing up in public housing? I, did, I didn't notice it because my whole area that I lived in was public housing, and, you know, uh, so I didn't notice it so much. Uh, now there's more of a stigma, I think, because people who have done all right since they've, they've had the opportunity to, to get a good job over the last 50 years, some people would quite good at school so they got on to better jobs but uh, public housing is, is not a scary thing it's, it's you talk to any of these homeless people around the town and they just had bad luck you know and uh, to, to demonise those people for having bad luck or you know illnesses or whatever it's, it's terrible and, and we, we make out that we, we look after everyone in our society but it's, we only look after the winners we don't look after the, the poor people and that's the part that has become obvious now 
as soon as they get on television, they're going to have a go at the welfare people. What about the corporate welfare we have, you know? This uh, negative gearings, corporate welfare. It's, it's set up to, to make people who are doing OK do even better. What about the ones who can't get the, the house? You know, that's, you know, corporate welfare is just a, a, it's, it's a terrible thing. And uh, we, we uh, just got to keep trying to make people realise that public housing is, is the issue. We've got to get help get people off the streets and into a home or uh, somewhere comfortable for them to stay. And they'll improve by then, by natural uh, natural ability and desire to improve. But they need somewhere to start from. They can't start. You can't start from the gutter, unfortunately. And that, yeah, they make it. You can, but you can't. You've got to have somewhere to live and somewhere to comfortable. So your family didn't feel any shame about uh, living in public housing when you were growing up. No, I don't think so. See, my father went to war and spent five and a half years in the army during the second... He did five and a half years in the army in, in the Second World War. He, uh, he didn't march with the uh, Anzac badges and things like that. He just went and did his what he had to do and then come home. He, he ended up being on a 100% pension because he wasn't, he wasn't coping. Because you know, alcohol and cigarettes is what you give army people when you know, to shut them up. And that's what society's done there over the last hundred years or more. They, they've, they've supplied them anything they want to just to keep them quiet, calm their nerves down. And Dad, Dad, and uh, he's lost his, his two uncles in the First World War. He lost his brother and cousin in the Second World War. You know, for what? You know, Dad comes home. He's, he marries a woman that virtually is. He's, I don't know whether he actually loved or anything like that, but he, he married a woman because that was the thing to do after he'd come back from war. Struggled with alcoholism all his life, you know. Uh, had a lot, of, a lot of illnesses and things like that. Mum had to carry the can the whole time. Five children, she worked in the mark garden, thinning out lettuces and doing stuff like that, you know, 100 degree heat. Uh, she did it really hard. Mum, like a saint, you know, when you think about it, the effort she's put in to raise five children. We're all doing okay. We, we've got our houses and and uh, we've all had opportunities. My brother and I are both tradesmen, and our, daughter, our sisters were, you know, office staff type thing, you know, secretaries. So they've done all right. And other people in the same area have done the same too. They've been able to manage, but it's always been a struggle for people in those areas. But the stigma wasn't there. We didn't we didn't suffer anything about the stigma of being public housing. So. And what's your intention with these? I'm Nick Pendergrast. Uh, uh, I do a podcast, Progressive Podcast Australia, and I'm also a host on 3CR, I host Freedom of Species Radio. So we're here on the um, steps of Parliament. We've just started the 10-day public housing vigil. Um, what's brought you down today? 
Well, I was listening to Anarchist World this week with Joe right here and, yeah, made some really good points about public housing. Um, homelessness is an issue I've been concerned about for a long time. Obviously, it's a very visible issue just walking around the streets. And I guess just thinking about, you know, when you pass a homeless person, you give them some a few dollars or some food, which is good, but is not really dealing with the fundamental issue. They don't have housing. So I thought of this as, yeah, a really good campaign to address homelessness and also do so much more beyond that as well. What's your intention for the next 10 days? How often do you intend to stay a night or something like that? Um, I haven't thought about it too much. I'll have to see how I go with uh, two dogs at home and that kind of thing. I've got to walk three times a day, so I'll see how I go, but I'll definitely be here yeah, a bunch of different times. Yeah, yeah. So what's your understanding of um, the issue that Joe's trying to raise here? I, I guess the, the, we've seen a decline in public housing and, yeah, definitely from listening to Joe's show about... Uh, <laughs> about uh, community housing and social housing they sound like quite nice things but yeah I guess what we've seen um, is the decline in public housing as those who have risen and yeah there's a lot of problems with those uh, which uh, yeah Joe can speak to a lot more than me but um, yeah I guess we've seen this big big decline in public housing over the years and yeah the problems of the instability in the housing market which public housing can address. Uh, hi, this is Jeff Farrell. I'm in from Texas in the U.S. I've escaped the troubles of, of my continent to come here to Australia. You're listening to Ruminations on 3CR. What a great station, great people. Always a pleasure. My name is Bradley Garrett. I'm a cultural geographer at the University of Sydney, and you're listening to Ruminations on 3CR. And back in the studio with me now, this is Kelly. Uh, thanks very much for your company. You're listening to the Ruminations Peer Homeless Issues Program here on Radical Radio 3CR 855 AM or streaming on 3cr.org.au. I'll announce those two tracks we just played in the break there. That was um, Public Image by P.I.L. That was for Gaz. Love you, Gaz. And before that, we heard from Masses, a Melbourne band, with their song Sirens. So now I'm very excited uh, to be making, after six years here working um, as a very happy volunteer here on the Ruinations show, and around 3CR in general. Now I'm very happy to be making my first international call. And on the line, uh, we have uh, a good friend of Ruminations, David Giles, who I'm calling from Seattle. Now David is an academic based at uh, Deakin University here in Melbourne, and he researches issues around uh, the global city and economics and the way that economics uh, is changing things within uh, global cities. And he's particularly interested in uh, poverty, housing and homelessness. And he's currently in Seattle doing his uh, some research for, um, for a book in the future. He's got a book uh, coming out soon, but this is for... Um, uh, another book <laughs> in the future, and uh, and I think David is now in a in a lounge room in uh, downtown Seattle with a bunch of uh, homelessness activists. Is that right, David? 
Yep, that's right. And thanks for having us all on. Thanks so much for teeing up this chat. That's really great. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, it's good to build bridges between uh, homeless activists in one city and homeless activists on the other side of the ocean. Absolutely. It's a real treat for us to speak with folks that are doing stuff, you know, half a world away. So um, can you give us a bit of an idea of, firstly, yeah, what you're, what you're up to um, over there at the moment? Yeah, yeah. So I, uh, I write and research the kind of uh, not just homelessness per se, but the politics around how it gets treated and, uh, you know, sort of how the how homeless folks are represented and what the policies and the laws are that uh, affect their lives. So I've been over here in Seattle because the... Uh, can I swear on air? It depends. So maybe just temper okay. it. Okay. <laughs> well, uh, well the, the policies over here are a real... <clears throat> uh, <laughs> okay, you can probably... Uh, yeah, my, my, yeah there, there, is, there are some folks that, uh, around here who have more to say than me. Um, yeah, the policy over here has been, there's been a real homeless backlash in the last 12 months. Seattle has the third highest number of homeless people in the country. Uh, they've got 12,000 people uh, with no permanent place to live in the city. They've only got 6,000 uh, emergency shelter beds in the last 12 months or so. There's been a real backlash, sort of conservative backlash, and there are proposals to force them to either go to jail or get forced rehab on an island somewhere. Uh, so I've been out here trying to sort of follow the story on that. And I'm sitting here with people from three different Seattle organisations that are working on that. Um, I'm sitting here with Ashley from Seattle's Real Change Street newspaper. That's a little bit like the big issue uh, in Melbourne, except they write more political stories. Um, I'm sitting here with Kamali from SAFE. That's Seattle against foreclosure and eviction. Uh, and I'm sitting here with Simon from Stop the Sweeps, uh, who do mutual aid with homeless people who have had their camps dismantled. And are each of those folks happy to speak with with me today? Yeah, yeah, they're all keen to uh, to say a little hello to you and everybody listening. But firstly, I just want to say that those numbers you uh, told us, they're extraordinary, David. That's right. It's nearly half, compared to Victoria, nearly half the number of people who are homeless across Victoria are homeless just in this one city alone. Uh, the city is just full of camps, uh, tents and people sleeping on sidewalks. It's If you've never been to the United States, it's a real shock. And how do people, uh, like I know, um, would you say that living in Melbourne and Australia, like we've seen depictions of homelessness in the United States for a long time now and, um, you know, people in New York talk about, you know, not even you know, turning their head towards people anymore. It's just part of the kind of landscape or the furniture that you see people um, out on the streets homeless. You know, it's just par for the course of living in the city. But I think here in, in Australia, um, you know, in terms of visible homelessness anyway, um, it's a much more recent uh, phenomenon. And we're still we're still shocked and disturbed by it here. Um, would you say that's the case, and how does that compare to um, local residents in Seattle? Um, yeah, it's definitely the case that here people have had about three or four decades to get used to seeing people sleeping on the street. Uh, it's definitely a much older, more familiar thing uh, in the US than it is in Australia. 
But the other, the flip side of that is that the organising around it is uh, is much older as well. So there are there are activists and advocates whose organisations go back three and four decades who know and, and have sort of a really well developed analysis of uh, of why this is. And it's you know it's because the economic system is uh, built to fail certain people. Uh, so people have been uh, working on that for decades. And I'll let the people I'm I'm standing here with tell me a bit more about what they do. All right, so who should we get on the blower first? Well, how about Ashley? Uh, yeah, well, I'm standing right here next to Ashley now, and I'll hand the phone over to her. She can tell you a bit about real change and what she does there. Great. All right, so I'll hand you over. Thank you. Hello? Oh, hi, Ashley. Um, thanks for being you're on live radio here in uh, Melbourne, Australia, and I'm Kelly. Hello, are you there, Ashley? Hi, hi. I am, yeah. My name is Ashley Archibald. I'm a reporter with Real Change. Um, we are a nonprofit organization uh, that predominantly offers homeless and low-income folks an opportunity for some form of income. Um, and we cover a lot of homeless issues here in Seattle, among other things. <laughs> so I think David was saying it's a paper that we can think is sort of like the big issue it's very similar to the big issue, yes. I'm not familiar with the big issue in Australia. Um, I was more familiar with the one in London, uh, but I think the general idea is quite the same. So tell us a bit about how it works then. For sure. Um, so we come out once a week uh, on Wednesdays. Uh, our folks, uh, we have about 300 active vendors every month. They come and they buy the paper for 60 cents and tell, sell it for $2. Um, and we try to cover issues that are relevant and that aren't being covered by the mainstream press. And uh, how do you keep things afloat financially? (laughs) Uh, Through a great deal of support, to be honest with you. Um, The cost of the paper is mostly but not quite covered by the vendors themselves, through that 60 cents that I talked about. Um, But we also ask support for people, uh, which has, frankly, gotten a lot harder since the uh, 2017 tax plan uh, passed by the Republicans here in the United States. What's that? Tell us about that. Absolutely. Um, So in 2017, uh, the Republican-controlled Congress, uh, that's both the House of Representatives and the Senate, managed to push through a tax plan that lifted the, uh, sorry, this is a little wonky, uh, there was, uh, I'm, and I for, forgive me if I get these numbers exactly wrong, but I'm fairly sure that it was a $6,000 cap on uh, giving. So you could give up to $6,000, you would get a rebate for that, and they lifted it to $12,000. Um, that's had a huge impact, actually, on charitable giving here in the United States. Uh, there was a recent report by the uh, Congressional Budget Office that said that, I believe it might have been them, oh, I apologize, I know that I saw a report recently uh, that said that uh, it had it, there was a significant hit in the past year since that tax law was passed, um, and we've felt it just like everyone else. Yeah. So, what kind of impact has it had on the paper? Um, so we're okay right now. Uh, we're not going under anytime soon. We're a 25 year old institution in Seattle, and quite frankly, I think it's incumbent upon me as one of the reporters to make people value the paper and want to buy it. Um, If we're not getting charitable giving, you know what? It's 
that it's on me to make that paper the kind of thing that people want to spend money on. And I'm, I'm totally there to do that. And do you have – who writes the articles? Do you have uh, peers uh, writing and researching? Um, so there are two reporters. Um, I am one of them, and then my colleague Lisa Edge does our arts reporting. She is one of the very last arts reporters in the city of Seattle, and she is amazing. Um, she covers predominantly black art, um, and she really wants to highlight that and lift up the community, and it's a huge thing. Uh, that she does. She's also um, a communications person. So almost anything you see uh, from the Real Change Twitter account, the Instagram account, the Facebook page, that's all Lisa. Um, so she's absolutely amazing. Um, we also actually have a coterie of volunteers who come to us with stories, either that they want to write or that they want me to research, and we couldn't survive without them. So um, it sounds to me like it's a it's a paper that covers um, a whole range of issues, not just um, homelessness issues, issues. Is that right? That's absolutely right. So we just finished a three-part series on death with dignity. Um, there was a gentleman named Robert Fuller who uh, wanted – he was dying of cancer of the throat, and he wanted media there to really talk about his experience and his life and – all of the various complexities that go into this concept of, of ending your own life on your own terms. So we did that. Uh, we have done stories about sweeps. We've done stories about third party politics. We've done stories about all sorts of things. Um, I am personally very into <laughs> uh, really wonky shit. Uh, so I really like to take federal policies and show people in Seattle how they impact them on the ground. And um, what's the one thing that really um, breaks your heart or makes you angry about what's going on um, in homelessness in Seattle? What gets you up and, 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 and working on this paper every week? I mean, uh, it was a real question. How much am I allowed to swear? Uh Keep it mild if you can. Okay, Live radio. I, I, I appreciate that. That's why I asked. Um, yeah. Well, the dog knows. Uh, <laughs> I am extremely angry, um, and I don't think this is a surprise given my Twitter feed. I feel very comfortable saying this. I very much just like the negative uh, stereotypes on homelessness that are used and weaponized against people experiencing homelessness. Um, people who I would say use shoddy statistics in very disingenuous ways, and I get very worked up about this, I'm sorry, um, but they're the worst, and they're hurting people who have nothing when they have everything, um, and that that is my biggest issue. Is one of your mates and there? It's what we hope our paper can combat. Yeah, good work on that paper, and... Um... Thank you very much, Ashley. Is there someone there standing or sitting next to you that could speak to those um, kind of myths and dodgy statistics that are put out there? Um, there is Simon. Does he want to speak to statistics that are put out there? He's, he's dodging me on this one. <laughs> anybody else? Um, does anybody want to speak to statistics? 
or just the things that make you angry? Are there is there someone else there that can um, echo that? Well, I feel like a lot of people are angry. Who who wants to be angry on the on the radio? Kamali wants to. I'm handing you over to Kamali. One second. Thanks, Ashley. Hello, I'm I'm Kamali. Hi, Kamali. I also I'm go by Derek. I'm Kelly, um, and welcome to the uh, Ruminations uh, Peer Homelessness um, Radio Program here from Melbourne, Australia. Well, um, thank you for having me. Oh, it's a real pleasure. So, just uh, it's just really great to have you on the line, and um, let's just keep it really easy. So, um, you're obviously a friend of, uh, or you, you know, you've made contact with David, who's a a friend of um, our show here. What kind of things are you up to over in Seattle in the homelessness space? Um, Well, I, I, I work. I work currently. My main job right now is the public housing. I work for a housing agency in Seattle, and um, my heart work, the work I'm passionate about, um, is this organization that I'm helping to rebuild called Standing Against Foreclosure and Eviction. David said Seattle Against Foreclosure and Eviction, and I think that's a really good name, so we're probably going to change it to that. But um, that's what we do, and we kind of advocate for, um, like, homeless people and people facing displacement. Um, mainly people of color in the city that are facing these problems. Um, and that's kind of what I do. So what are some, um, what are some common themes about uh, what's going on over there in that area that you come across constantly? Um, well, I, a lot of it is the, 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 the neoliberal politics about poverty that we face, right? Like um, it's easy for people to become homeless here in a place like Seattle where, like, income inequality is fucking rampant. I mean rampant. You could look on a map. I forget what big data map there is, but you could look on a map um, that will show you that the wider an area is, the more um, money that area has. So it's like you could just tell by the way Seattle is made up um, what side of the issue that we're facing because majority of the people who are homeless here are people of color. They're disproportionately homeless, specifically um, Native Americans and uh, Black and Latino uh, people. So it's like that that whole, uh, uh, I guess, the crisis in our system, the abandonment of homeless people in our system and in our city um, is reflected by, I guess, the numbers that are out. Um, And I think they have have an organization that counts um, how many homeless folks out there on the street, and it's about I think like, like between eleven to sixteen thousand people um, that are homeless in the city, and twelve thousand. Twelve thousand is the right number. So I, I was in the ballpark, but um, those people are treated very differently in our city. And in my experiences, uh, being in the city, working in the city as someone who is a disabled veteran who came from. Um, like a poor family, a poor immigrant family, um, working in uh, the city and seeing homeless people reminds me of a tragedy in my family where I had an uncle who was drug addicted and um, ended up on the street. And he was like rough sleeping majority of uh, my life. You know, um, we we knew him kind of as the, the drug addicted uncle. Um, and I always wondered what was what caused that. Um, and what would, what would make people look at my uncle that way? And 
I mean, the older I got, is the more I started to understand kind of the systemic uh, issues at play that cause this. In Australia, um, the majority of people that are experiencing homelessness are, are, are not um, on the on the uh, street um, per se. That's just kind of the tip of the iceberg, and most people um, that are experiencing homelessness are pretty much invisible. They're in emergency accommodation, or what, or sleeping in, in their cars, or you know, hopping between um, friends' uh, lounges or couches and things like that. Um, how does that compare to things in Seattle? Um, I mean, well, just overall in the United States, the state of homeless people is uh, literally atrocious. I mean, there's a period in American history that is marked by people living in makeshift shelters. I think it was like in the 1920s. They called them Hoovervilles, right? And then um, you go through the, the, the periods of time of, American politics where we are like kind of rife with prosperity, but we still have the steady build of people who are living in makeshift shelters and living outside. So it's like there's a continuum of this all the way back from um, very early in the United States' history. Um, as far as accommodations here, um, a lot of people experiencing homelessness here do live in their cars and like, you know, various things like that, but uh, like an overwhelming amount of these people end up in a homeless shelter. And I used to work at a homeless shelter um, downtown in Seattle, and the conditions are deplorable. Like there's constantly spraying for bed bugs and other parasites. Um, I mean, there's, it's basically an environment that one would think of in Dante's Inferno. Uh, it, it is it is that bad. I mean, the smell of feces and urine constantly people have to sleep there because they have nowhere else to go um and then it's also a place that's rife with violence and that violence is at the hands of other people experiencing those those same experiences and then uh like the law enforcement officials who are called in to regulate those things and oftentimes these people aren't um i guess in the eyes of seattle worthy enough to have police respond to their crises immediately unless they're being kicked out of an area that they said they're not supposed to be in. So it's like there, there's a lot of crossover, but the overall level of uh, destitution I see in American uh, homelessness, which even when I was a kid, is it's literally people living in and out of shelters. Um, a lot of these people don't have cars or means to have any kind of real shelter. So they're kind of just at the mercy of the city and uh, law enforcement unfortunately, and the elements. Thanks so much for your words and for giving us a real insight there. No. Um, have you got someone there that can uh, speak to the um, the sweeps, the sweeps that happen in Seattle? Oh, yes, actually. Um, Stop the Sweeps actually deals with that a lot. You have? So here's Simon. Oh, Simon. Oh, and thank you so much. Hello, this is Simon. Uh, oh, hi, Simon. Oh, just, 
Oh, hi. I just wanted to um, let listeners know. So just mind, don't mind me while I just <laughs> say this little announcement for a moment that uh, you're listening to 3CR 855 AM, Ruminations Peer Homeless Issues Program. And we're very delighted to have a few um, homelessness and housing activists on the line from Seattle. And um, I'm, I've now, I'm now with Simon. Is that right, Simon? That's right. So are you able to speak to um, the sweeps? Uh, David has uh, spoken to us about this before. What are these uh, sweeps that happen? So the, the sweeps um, are a word, that, like that's basically a word that was come up with by the people that are affected by them. And it's because the the city and the state of Washington um and also other other places now in the United States are also conducting these sweeps um, where they're basically this, like the authorities are going around and telling people they have to leave right then and there. Um, in a lot of cases, they're arresting people just for existing and trying to survive. Uh, they're taking everybody's stuff and throwing it in the in the trash indiscriminately. Sometimes when people are in the hospital or jail or at work. Um, and in, in any case, it's extremely traumatizing to uh, the houseless community and uh, actually doesn't really solve any issues at all, except for that uh, I think it's the, the cap, our, our capitalist society's kind of uh, response to people existing in poverty and not wanting to, like, you know, be offended by having to see people in that state within their space or what they view as their space. So these are conducted by local government or local council? Yes. So um, city government, county government, uh, so far as I know, the federal government hasn't been involved, but um, the state government has. And um, what are you, in, in a general sense, involved in over there? So I've I've tried to do a variety of things personally uh, over the years to try to bring a spotlight to the issue that this is happening. Uh, whereas people, like most people, don't know, didn't know beforehand that this was even going on um, because the city was or the state was was trying to you know do it um, without people knowing about it. Um, and. I've been trying to help. Uh, been trying to help people kind of obtain uh, legal legal resources and legal, you know, uh, access to attorneys that they wouldn't otherwise have. Um, you know, trying to amplify people's voices and stories about what's happened to them and what it's like to be uh, to be houseless in Seattle specifically. And yeah, I mean. In the, in the grand scheme of things, my, my main goal is to, is to throw a wrench in the cogs of a capitalist system that is, is uh, in my opinion, responsible for this problem existing in the first place where people are having to live outside and they, and they, and for the most part, they don't want to. In the state of uh, Victoria, down here in the south of Australia, uh, where we are, um, it's actually illegal to uh, 
put a cap out or a cup out and uh, ask for money on the street. It's a really archaic old law. Is that something that's um, – what's the state of play in Seattle around what we call begging for arms here? So panhandling is what it's called here. And as far as I know in Seattle, it's legal. Um, but there are cities and, and entire states in the United States that have also outlawed um, that being a practice. And there are, there are even states such as Texas where living outside uh, and being houseless is illegal and, and can and, you know, cause you to end up in jail. Oh, my gosh. And at the at the start of this conversation, um, it might have been Ashley was talking about some idea that's being floated about putting people on an island or something absurd like that. <laughs> yeah, there's um, there's a lot of homeowners uh, who feel entitled, like I was talking about earlier um, with capitalism. You know that they they just base. There's a lot of people that have a lot of wealth and um, you know ownership or you know self self-entitled ownership over things, uh, even though we are on indigenous stolen land, that that, that they just don't want to see, you know, people that they feel are beneath them or who are suffering and that we should just put them all on an island. You know, um, another narrative that they've used is that we should just lock them all up until, you know, if they, if they, won't, if they won't get out of the city, then we should just throw them in jail is one of the things that they've said. And and um, as is the case here in Melbourne, I'm sure it's the same uh, where you folks are, that people do get picked up all the time for really small misdemeanours like urinating in public, public drunkenness and, and faced with, you know, thousands of dollars of fines that they can never see their way out of. Yeah, that is actually a high – like that, that is a reason – that the high percentage of the houseless people here are arrested are, you know, things that that they're doing that are technically illegal, but they're only doing them because, you know, out of uh, out of having to from living outside. Well, Simon, and to um, your other mates there, I want to thank you so much for speaking with me today. And I really hope that um, in the not too distant future, we can set up to have a uh, a more of an in depth um, conversation um, that we can record and um, broadcast. If that would be okay with you? Yeah, absolutely. I think that we would all be happy to help out with uh, any future endeavors. Thanks so much, and um, make sure you thank everybody else there from me, and um, I'll let you go now, Simon. Thanks so much. Yeah, thanks so much for having us. No worries. See you later, mate. Well, that was a real treat, wasn't it, uh, speaking to some uh, uh, homelessness activists over there in Seattle. And um, thanks very much to Ruminations friend uh, David Giles for organising that. Uh, we hope to tee up, yeah, some future conversations. I think it's really important that we build those uh, bridges uh, between activists in different parts of the world. So there you go. You're listening to Ruminations here on the Mighty 3CR.
My name is Bradley Garrett. I'm a cultural geographer at the University of Sydney, and you're listening to Ruminations on 3CR. You are indeed, and I just want to continue uh, can, uh, thanking, thanking um, all of you who pledged a donation to um, 3CR's uh, Radiothon uh, last week. Um, I'd like to thank uh, Leanne McLean, uh, Mike Collins, Jodie Moore, Angela O'Brien, Joy Phillips, William Pitt, Paul Reiner, Pam Rowley, uh, Michelle Vecchio, Melinda Von Waywood, Sarah Wise, Brett Bancroft, M. Castle, Elaine Cruz, Port Arlington Food is Free, Victor Swiridon, sorry about that pronunciation, Victor, and Raya Williams. So tonight, yes, it's all happening. We've got the 24-hour Winter Solstice Public Housing vigil, vigil happening on the steps of Parliament House from midnight tonight and going through the whole day of the Winter Solstice of Friday, June 21. So see you there. Um, I'll be down there as much as I can and our other members of the Ruminations team will probably there, be there for the whole 24 hours, so good on them. And we will be doing a live cross um uh, from the steps to the station um, mid-morning uh, tomorrow morning. Um, so get along uh, to that. That's on the steps of Parliament House from midnight tonight. And before I go, I just want to mention uh, another event um, that's happening tonight and an event that um, Ruminations has supported um, on and off throughout the years, and that's the annual um, homelessness memorial that happens um, at Peanut Farm uh, in St Kilda. Uh, that's happening uh, tonight. Um, I've got a, a press release here. It's a memorial to shine a light on homelessness on the longest night of the year. Um, it's happening uh, tonight, 4.30 p.m. to 7 p.m. The Peanut Farm Reserve, that's on the corner of Chaucer Street and Shakespeare Grove in St Kilda. Um, it's put on by Star Health in partnership with Port Phillip Council. Um, there's a whole bunch of other uh, services involved in that. And it's a very, very nice event. They put up a big marquee. Um, they have some fires going, um, a really beautiful uh, welcome to country. Um, lots of people speaking, poetry, music, there's food, there's hand-knitted beanies and scarves for people to pick up if they need be and some um, toiletry bags and things like that. So um, I encourage you to um, attend that as well um, if you have the time and the inclination or if you're in the area. So it starts at 4.30pm and goes to about 7 at the Peanut Farm Reserve in St Kilda. And um, after that, um, if you're up for it, you could come down to the uh, steps of Parliament House and join us in a 24-hour public housing vigil um, on the coldest and uh, shortest day of the year. So uh, thanks very much for your company for the past hour. It's been um, really fantastic to be with you. Um, and it was great hearing from all those folks uh, in Seattle, those great housing and homelessness activists, and those voices from the 10 Days in November uh, vigil that we played. Coming up next is Living Free. Um, so I'll uh, depart now and make way in the studio for Bill and his guests. And um, thanks very much for tuning into Room Nations. And uh, have a great day. And we'll see you again shortly. 
You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.